Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, the home side of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts, like this one, where we talk about Doctor Who, or our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about all of the things that aren't Doctor Who. And if you like our show, uh, or shows, plural, you should review this one or both of them on iTunes, because that helps. Uh, and if you have questions, comments, concerns, really anything you might feel like sharing or telling us, you can email those things to podcastandmindrobber.net, or you can go to the website, mindrobber.net, and start a discussion on this thread for this episode or the many other episodes that you might have comments for. Uh, let us know what you're thinking, and we will respond to you. Matt? Yes? Um... We're here to talk about Underworld. (laughs) And if you had asked me immediately following listening to this or watching this episode, I would have said that I think my life had been better two hours prior. I don't necessarily believe that anymore. <laughs> but that's just that's just how it rolls. That's but oh god, this was so 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 bad. <laughs> uh, how bad now, was it? Here's the, here's all here's all I'll tell you. I know it was bad. Scott and I, for those listening at home, Scott and I do not talk about things as we watch them unless we're having a very visceral reaction we need to share. Uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott, about I don't know how far away, far into it it must have been, but I just get a text from Scott that essentially just said, "Unrelated, bleep the quest," <laughs> but he didn't say bleep, um, <laughs> and he wasn't even halfway through the story, so. <laughs> It's not like the story gets magically better. Uh, so it wasn't a good time. That's what you're uh, saying. I stand by that comment. No, no, uh, that's 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 fine. As you are, if you're listening to the show, you already know the title that I have picked out for it. Um, it's not as wonderful as Scott's, but uh, it's it, it's a uh, it's apt, I think. Uh, so here's my question. Yes. Other than being the worst episode of Doctor Who, uh, is there anything else significant about this episode? Uh, and what is the background <laughs> of this train wreck? 
Okay, well, here's a couple of things that I think are important to know. Um, really, when I was doing the research for this background of significance, yes, I do research. Um, I was looking into, like, where this episode came from and what happened. Uh, the first thing I guess I should mention is that it is the... Uh, it's the return of Bob Baker and Dave Martin, who wrote uh, Claws of Axos, Three Doctors, and Invisible Enemy. That's what we've discussed so far. They still have, we still have a couple more of those stories to talk about. <laughs> but uh, it's the return of them to the show. Uh, this is uh, season 15, I believe. It's Yeah, it's season 15. Uh, this is this first season of Graham Williams producing the show, and... Uh, uh, and this is the second to last story of the season. Uh, why is this important? It's important because during the pr- the producer who came just before him, who was Philip Hinchcliffe, um, the show had a massive budget, and Philip Hinchcliffe, like, it got to the point where on Philip Hinchcliffe's last story, he was just spending money because he didn't care. Like, he just he would just spend tons of money on Talents of Wing Chiang because he just honestly didn't care. And when Graham Williams took over, the BBC said to him, you need to cut the budget. Uh, go cut the budget uh, because we cannot have it be this expensive. So the show is instantly now needing needs to be made on a much cheaper budget. So... Graham Williams, who is not... I don't think he was a new producer, but he basically came in and was just, like, trying to make things less expensive, which is why The Invisible Enemy looks so cheap. Um, And then after you do something like Image of the Fendal, you know, you're kind of out of money. Um, So he comes in and and has a very hard time producing the show. He has to deal with Tom Baker, who is now his senior, because Tom Baker's been around for three years. Uh, So Tom Baker now you know, uh, is able to exert more of his influence on the show because he's not new like he was when Hinchcliffe took over. Um, and at this point in time, what Graham Williams had done was after Philip Hinchcliffe left, Robert Holmes was ready to walk out the door. And Graham Williams, as he is wont to do with just about everyone who's working on the show, persuaded Robert Holmes to stay around and script edit for another couple stories. So if you look at the show, Horror of Fang Rock, Invisible Enemy, and Image of the Fendal are all script edited by Robert Holmes. And Robert Holmes wrote out wrote himself out of the show with The Sunmakers, which is the story immediately preceding the show. So this is the first story that Graham Williams has that is not script edited or written by Robert Holmes. Um, it's script edited by a dude named Anthony Reed, who sticks around for this episode, co-writes the finale with Graham Williams, and then script edits the next season, which is the key to time. So, you already have the loss of the best script editor of the classic series, in my opinion, um, which is a bad thing. You have Graham Williams running up against the budget overrun, because apparently what happened is he went on a two-week holiday and had the idea for Underworld where he was just going to build two massive sets. He was going to build a spaceship set, and he was going to build a cavern set. And those two would be the primary uh, ideas for Underworld. Uh, So he started working on the first one, and then he... (laughs) He got. He goes on vacation, comes back, and finds out that whatever he wants to do is way too expensive because he has run out of money. So he decides, oh, well, I guess I need to uh, produce. I guess I need to do the caverns. I need to do them on a cheap on the cheap. So I'm just going to do them entirely on green screen, uh, which is a much cheaper option. So that's not a good decision. Uh, it's also the return of Bob Baker and Dave Martin, who are brought back. Uh, who are commissioned by Anthony Reed because they can turn in a script really fast, and they can do it 
not necessarily to budget, but in a reasonable budget, <laughs> but they can turn around a script really fast. And I mean, that's important when you are commissioning writers on commission. But whether or not it makes any kind of sense is a completely other story because I can honestly say I have no idea what this story is about. <laughs> it's not about anything. Actually, it's about something, but we'll talk about that <laughs> in a little bit. It's kind of a huge mess. Um, so it's Bob Baker and Dave Martin, who I think are my least favorite recurring writers of Doctor Who ever. Um, they're just not good. And every time they're on the show, like it takes a massive rewrite from Robert Holmes to make them good. Like That's how, that's how it goes. Um, so it's that. So those are your writers, that's your production team, that's your script editor. And then they bring in a new guy named Norman Stewart to direct a whole bunch of green screen. And this is a guy who I think was an executive at the BBC who decided that he wanted to be a director. And this was his first ever directing gig. Um, so there's that. And then, mm. <laughs> and then to, to add insult to injury, uh, The Sunmakers premiered at the end of 1977. Ten days before... And then Doctor Who goes on a couple weeks... A hiatus for Christmas, and then it comes back and broadcasts this story across Saturdays in January. Here's the problem. Between when the Sunmakers ended and Underworld began, Star Wars came out in the United Kingdom, so this, so this is the first Doctor Who story that comes out after Star Wars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, it's a perfect storm. Um... <laughs> Of just like massive disaster. Uh, you can also tell that Tom Baker isn't getting along with Leela, even though Louise Jameson is or Louise Jameson, even though Louise Jameson is actually doing a really good job in the story despite everything. So what you have is an actor who thinks he's too good and is exceptionally bored by the script. A script that isn't good, a first time director directing on green screen, which is incredibly difficult. Um a Oh producer, god, it's so awful. Yeah, a producer who uh, is not, like, new, but is having a lot of problems wrangling his stars and getting everything to budget and doesn't really have a direction for the show yet, and a fresh script editor who doesn't know what he's doing yet. Um, so it's a real perfect storm of awful. Uh, to be fair, and everyone, like, I mean, just so that you're not alone, Scott, I would like to point out that um, in 2009, just before... David Tennant's run ended when they had hit 200 stories. Doctor Who magazine released a poll of all Doctor Who fans saying, what is your favorite story and what is your least favorite story? Uh, and basically asked everyone to rank their stories. As you know, Caves of Androzani wound up at the top. Towns of Wing Chang and Genesis of the Daleks were both in the top like five or ten or something. So it was like, you know, that's the current, like, what is the best Doctor Who story? Underworld was in the bottom five. Okay, bottom five. It was listed <laughs> stories that were considered better than Underworld were The Dominators, The Horns of Nyman, Fear Her, and The Space Pirates, Underwater Menace, and Time Flight were all considered better than Underworld. Worse than Underworld were three stories, Time and the Ronnie, Time mm. Lash, and The Twin Dilemma. Those uh. those were the three stories that wound up under after Underworld. So it's considered the worst Tom Baker story, according to fan reaction. Do I think it's the worst Tom Baker story? I actually don't. I hate the Armageddon factor, um, which is this, but, you know, with two extra episodes. So uh, 
I don't like it. I think it's a, it's a huge mess, and there's a lot of problems with it. Uh, but I, don't I guess think it's a- I guess the one bit of significance is that it tries to tell us uh, the story of how uh, the Time Lords decided not to get involved with things. It's really oblique. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what it's supposed to be doing. <laughs> Anyway. Well, it's also supposed to be telling you the story of Jason and the Argonauts. Um, I don't know if you caught <laughs> that. but And, like, it's very – I mean, I guess we could talk about this a little later. But it's also supposed to be telling you the story of Jason and the Argonauts. And Baker and Martin built in a ton of mythological references to that. Um, unfortunately, it just all comes out in the, in the wash because, well, it's not very well executed at all. Um, so that's – that's underworld it's a perfect storm it's fascinating um but i guess we should start talking about it in earnest um all right well before we do that we want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by instocktrades.com uh instocktrades.com is where you can you can purchase uh trades hardcovers that sort of thing uh you can get our book of the month this month, Batman No Man's Land, Volume 1 by Greg Rucka, Alex Maleev, Dale Eaglesham, uh, and many, many more. And you can get it for $17.99, which is 40% off the suggested retail price of $29.99. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. Uh, so go there and uh, buy some comic books because uh, you want to do that. There's Doctor Who books. Yeah. 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 Go, go buy some Doctor Who books and other things. All right. Thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right, now this disaster. Um, okay, so for for one, I'm I'm just gonna start from a technical standpoint. This is the worst looking Doctor Who episode I've ever seen. Some of the worst acting I've ever seen on Doctor Who, and the worst structured episode of Doctor Who. And the by far the worst directed Doctor Who story ever. <laughs> the direction is so atrociously bad. Yeah. There, like, there's no, there's no like action matching. There, he's breaking all kinds of rules with like the one eighty degree rule of direction, uh, and like you're, he's having people run off screen in one shot in this the from the same part of the screen where they come back into on the other shot and it just it makes no sense. Yeah. It was like a guy was just like I know how to use a camera and just aiming it at the actors and letting them do their thing but not like you know between close-ups like the thing that was driving me up a wall is between close-ups and wide shots, the actors were not standing in the same place. Ever. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're There's not a scene wrong. where where the Doctor and Leela are standing side by side and they're facing each other uh, in one shot um, with the Doctor like turned. Like, they're both, they're both their bodies are facing forward and their, their heads are turned toward each other, talking. They're mm-hmm. standing next to each other. And then when you cut to the close-ups of either of them, they're looking straight on at each other. <laughs> and then you cut back to the wide angle, and they're back the way they were earlier. That's not good. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> it is not good. 
Uh, there's a scene where uh, the Doctor and Leela are hiding in a wheelbarrow thing on a track. Yes. And it's right at the end of episode three. And it goes like the camera is above the above the the wheelbarrows as they're going. And it's got all of this crap in it, all these like rocks or whatever. And it's like, oh, there's rocks in that one. There's rocks in that one. Oh, there's the Doctor and Leela hiding out. Except Tom Baker is looking directly at the camera. <laughs> Not even trying. To, it's just He's just looking into the camera. It's astoundingly awful. Yeah. And then, like, and then, but then, like, to, to just jump on that, like, okay, that's one thing, but then it goes and has what is the worst storytelling. Like, just poor oh. storytelling. Like, you can't even tell, like, the cliff, the whole clip, point of the cliffhanger is the Doctor and Leela are probably going to be dumped along with this rock into, like, the grinder or whatever. Um,. I still don't know. I'm not sure how they got in there. I don't. I don't know. But it's that's <laughs> that's what it's. But that's what it's supposed to be. And there's no indication that this is like how it unfolds. You know what I mean? Like, there's no indication yeah. that that's the one with them. There's no indication that you know they're the ones in jeopardy. It just doesn't make any sense. And when you watch it, you're like, I don't quite get it. Like, I just don't get it. And then all of a sudden you do a jump cut. Like, one of the weirdest cuts ever where you see, like, if you look at it in terms of, like, there's the maw of the where the rocks are getting dumped and then the, the, the cart. The camera is on the other side of the cart. So it's, so you don't even see Leela and the Doctor go into it. And then the next thing you see is Leela and the Doctor, like, grasping at the railing to not fall in. And it's just so poorly directed and put together. Like, tremendously poorly put together. <laughs> so, uh, it just and it, it just doesn't work. I mean, honestly, the thing that I'm struck by when I watch this, and this is the third time I've seen this story, by the way. Just, just so you're aware. Um, oh, God, I am so sorry. <laughs> the, the thing that strikes me about it is, like... When you move from the new series to the classic series, everyone is like, be careful, it's all hammy acting and poor costumes and rickety sets and poor direction and bad scripts. This is everything that is bad about the classic series. Or at least, like, what people consider to be bad about the classic series is in this. So, if this is ever your first classic story, I think we lost you forever. Like... Oh my god. Forever. So <laughs> it's just it's just rubbish. I've seen it three times and I was like, I don't even remember what the quest was. Like I don't remember. Like I mean I remember now because I just watched it, but like I was like, what was the quest again? Because they're going to this planet and they The quest is the quest, man. Oh, I'm never getting tired of that. I'm never getting tired of how awful that was as a decision. As a decision. Um, uh, and I can't believe how many times characters would say something and then literally say it again with different wording. <laughs> there is there is a section in the, at the very beginning when they're still in the TARDIS in the first episode. And Leela is just like... Uh something's happening doctor and he's she's like what's happening and he's like i don't 
I don't, I don't, I, what, something's happening? Jesus, something's happening. What is happening? Like, I just keep saying it over and over. And, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm, I'm 30 seconds into this episode and Leela keeps saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> it's, it's astounding. And then, like, there's another point where, uh, the doctor in uh, i think it's episode 4 yeah episode 4 the doctor is talking to the evil computer thing the oracle sure uh <laughs> and and he's like sorry he's like he, he he's he, he's like what does he say he says something like uh, uh, you're a delusional computer with with grandiose intentions, and and you're just like all of these other computers, and there's nothing special about you, and you're just a computer with delusions of grandeur. I'm like, <laughs> you you just said that. What you just you literally just said? What was the sentence that you just made? Was that was 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 that supposed to be one of those sentences that like? start and end the same way like is it i don't i i don't know what's going on i i was i like this is such a terrible script yeah oh oh god here's the here's the thing about this script it first of all it is extremely padded like extremely padded and episodes two and three were not long enough in the initial cut they were just not long enough that's why it's they have massive recaps of the old episodes like you know they play the cliffhanger again like the clip the cliff the the i guess i call it you call it you could call it the precap the precap for episode two is like a minute and a half long and it's like a 22 minute episode so you take out the first 30 seconds you take out the last minute so you have a minute and a half and then you have another minute and a half that is the precap, which was your cliffhanger from the last episode, which is just recycled material. That means that your entire episode's worth of content clocks in at less than 20 minutes. So, like, and significant, like, just less than 20 minutes. Doctor Who episode's supposed to be 25. Like, that's a problem. Like, it's a real problem. And then, to add insult to injury, the end of episode two is and I I mean I texted this to you and I don't know if you noticed but it's like they come up with the cliffhanger and then spend 3 minutes basically just playing out the cliffhanger like <laughs> yeah and it doesn't stop it doesn't stop until they've literally hit the point where they can effectively end the episode and it's like that tells you how poorly structured this story is because it's literally just the doctor like wandering around in the middle of the smoke that's being pumped in to like make him get knocked out and then you literally get him tinkering with a control tinkering with a control for like you know a couple like what seems like a minute which is literally just watching a dude on camera not even in close-up tinkering with a wrench (laughs) <laughs> like and it does it's just like the most uncinematic thing you can imagine. And then and passes out. And then and then passes out, but not before like fixing the control system, which he manages to do, which is literally a case of the cliffhanger just not continuing for another five seconds because God knows it didn't go on long enough. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just a mess. Like it's just an uh, an unmitigated disaster, I would say, for this story. Like it's just just a nightmare it's just a nightmare 
<laughs> and I mean, like, last week I said about Underworld, was I wrong? Literally, a bunch, there's, there's a point in this story where it's a bunch of people sitting on a couch watching meteors collide. Like, that's a on the bridge of the ship, it's literally just a couch. Which, I mean, I understand. I mean, if you're on the Enterprise Bridge, why not put in a couch? Like, why not? Who wants a hardback chair? But really, just, they're sitting on a couch watching the, this planet coalesce around them. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, I don't, I don't actually- I, uh, Okay, here's the thing. Here, here's the part where I got really confused. There's these guys that are in, like, these black hood things. Yes. And they're interrogating this guy. And it's like a five-minute scene where they're interrogating this guy and not getting anything out of him. And then you go away. And when you come back to the scene, they're dressed differently. (laughs) With no explanation. (laughs) And then they interrogate him some more. And then we go away. And then we come back again. And they're dressed back in the black hoods. I don't care. I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Is that when they were revealed to be robots with the gold heads? Is that what happened? Yeah, they were revealed to be robots. That's what oh. that was. I don't remember there being a reveal. I just remember being really confused. Yeah, that is not good. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I I thought you were talking about the scene where the guy is being strapped to the table and there's a sword over him and they went for the James Bond, we're going to wait for the rope to burn and the sword to fall on you. And then the doctor... Oh, no, that was bad, too. (laughs) Oh, that was awful. Well, the best part, my favorite thing about that is, like, the doctor breaks in right before the guy is killed. They push the table out of the way. They're like, no, save the save the guy. And then the doctor picks up the sword, and everyone, like, runs out of the room. And then the doctor just kind of walks out. Like, <laughs> there's, no, there's no urgency to anything that's happening. Like It's so bad. It's so slow. It's so boring. It's so boring. I hated this. <laughs> okay, here's the real kicker. Okay, here's the real kicker. Eager to capitalize on their Doctor Who money, Bob Baker and Dave Martin, as a, at a point in time, probably soon after the story aired, tried to get the crew of the ship a spinoff. Like, they were trying to have that happen because they were so overjoyed at how it went down. That's that's the people we're dealing with who wrote this story. I would also like to point out Robert Holmes and Philip Hinchcliffe tried to get a uh, a Jago and Lightfoot spinoff going, and that failed. So, uh. <laughs> in my brain, Bob Baker and Dave Martin actively tried to 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 get in on that Jago and Lightfoot money. That never happened. <laughs> so they thought this was as good, and the whole crew is awful. Like. The whole crew is just bad. For one thing, their costumes are rubbish. Like, rubbish. Oh, you know what? You know what? In that first episode, before we went into the caves, uh, honestly, I could not believe this was a Tom Baker story. I thought for sure this was a Colin Baker story. Yeah, yeah. Because it feels right out of that era. Yeah, in terms of, like, 
aesthetic design. Yeah, aste- yeah, aesthetic and and just like the types of characters and how everybody's angry. Yes. The stupid pacifier. <laughs> yeah. The stupid pacifier where two characters have completely different reactions to mm-hmm. it. Uh, one is confusion, and the other is uh, blind happiness. <laughs> it's a machine. It would affect everyone the same way. Yeah. It's, That's ridiculous. Yeah. Also, awful. <laughs> also, what's the point of having a pacifier thingy if you can just snap someone out of it instantly? I don't know. I don't know. And I, that my favorite part of the whole story is just like when the doctor snaps Leela out of it, and he's like, "You're a warrior, and you're awful, and I hate you." And she's like, "I hate you." And then, <laughs> and then he, she's like, "Who did this to me? You did this. I'm gonna kill you." And he's like, "Whoa, I didn't do it." And he, she, and he she's like, "I bet he did it." And he's like, and he's like, uh, no, 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 he didn't do it either. And then the guy behind her turns around and just goes, it was me. And then turns back to what he's doing. <laughs> it reminds me of the scene, for those of you who have seen Hot Fuzz, it reminds me of the scene where, uh, where the guy comes out of nowhere and he's just like, hello there. <laughs> like in the background of the scene. Oh. <laughs> Except it's not played for laughs. Like it's no, but played. it's funny. <laughs> oh, train wreck, train wreck. Um, I guess uh, the one thing I guess we should probably talk about is the way that it is. The story is ostensibly based on Jason and the Argonauts, which is a famous Greek myth. Um, which was basically the Justice League of Greek myths, um, like the Avengers of Greek myths, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I gotta go for one that's actually, you know, been made. Um, so- well, 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 we agreed none of this. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I <laughs> couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> so, you broke so, your own rule. You know, I'm imperfect. Um, so, <laughs> so the characters in this all relate to some form of Greek myth in ways that are, like, blatantly obvious. I would remind you that just, like, two seasons ago, Robert Holmes did Brain of Morbius, which was a Frankenstein allegory. Um, so you have the character of Jackson, who's the leader, who's totally not Jason. Um, you have the character of Herrick, who's the big brawny angry dude who's the big fighter who is not any way related to Heracles or if you know the Roman Hercules. Uh, Orf as an Orpheus. Tala as an Atalanta. And uh, uh, let's see. The, 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 the planet is called P7E as in Persephone. And the ship was called the R16 or something. as in, Or the R16. The R1C is in the Argosy, which was, like, uh, the long name of the ship. So it's, like, it's all there. Here's the problem. It's really the most boring version of Jason and the Argonauts I've ever seen. And I'll just go so far as to say I'm not super familiar with Jason and the Argonauts. I think I've read the myth, like, I read the myth a couple times as a kid. Um, That myth should be the greatest myth in the history of myths, in my opinion, because it's the... It's the Justice League of mythology, of Greek mythology. And you know what? <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing. 
This, I mean, mm-hmm. I never thought Jason the Argonauts was a was a terribly interesting tale. This made a boring tale way more boring. Um, <laughs> like just so impossibly boring. Like I can't believe it because it's just it's just a train wreck. It's just it's a train stunning. Wreck. <laughs> it's stunning in its awfulness. Yeah, and and here's the bad. Here's the thing. I'll even I'll even throw Baker Martin a bone here. There are some really interesting ideas here, at least in the "that's weird" sort of way, <laughs> not in sure. a they're producer they're producible in a Doctor Who way. Like for some reason, they think that they can have a spaceship fly into a nebula and <clears throat> then turn itself into a planet. That is somehow a producible idea. Uh, somehow they think that's doable. Uh, <laughs> wait, it's wait, not. it's not. I don't. Yeah, it's 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 not doable. Then they think that they're going to have a second planet, and this is where the whole story falls apart. I mean, for the first episode, it's kind of confusing. In the second episode, you have no idea what the hell's going on because they break. What happens is, and I I'm sure you didn't catch this, um, but they break out of the first planet that's coalescing around the spaceship, and then they. Just, like, they fly, like, ten more feet and find a second planet, which is the planet that they've been looking for for 10,000 years, which is a slowly amassing planet with a soft with a soft soil surface that they can just fly into and land underground. Like, that's the idea. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's an interesting idea, but I don't care. Like, I just don't care about any of this. And then they have, like, a bunch of people living underground eating rocks, which is, like, really bizarre. And I'm just, like, I don't know. I'm reminded of something, like, and I, this is this is total, like, lit nerd. But there's, a, there's an ancient, not ancient, but, like, an old, like, mythic poem called The Fairy Queen written by a dude named Spencer. I think it was John Spencer. And it's six books. And... Uh, it was supposed to be, like, 12, and once you hit the seventh book, like, Spencer died in the middle of writing his seventh book, and apparently it had, like, a part where there was, like, knights living underground eating dirt, and that's all I can think about with this, and I'm just like, dude, I haven't even read Spencer, and I can tell you he's doing better than this, because <laughs> there's nothing, there's just nothing that it does with this, and everything is so poorly done. There's an entire sequence at the beginning of three where... <sighs> The doctor sucks all of the gas that they're inje- that they're sending into the caverns into like the the main area where the gas comes from where all the people are where like the the guards are and the whole place fills with gas before the guards realize there's anything in there and the guards pass out and then there's a guy who's literally watches the guards pass out turns back to the TV and then sees that there's gas in the room is like gas shut off the gas and it just doesn't make any sense like it just doesn't make any sense at all it's a nightmare um it's just bad it's bad i just can't even handle it (laughs) i can't handle how much this is awful yeah it's really one of the worst doctor who stories that's ever been made ever ever Ugh. Yeah, and it has defenders. I mean, I'll, I won't even go so far as to say that the green screen is awful. Like, I've definitely seen worse green screen, but it's not good. It's, it's not like, good, and it's all about the lighting, because yeah. the whoever lit this didn't understand how lighting with green screen works, in that <laughs> you have to match the lighting of the actors with the lighting of the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're all backlit really well. I don't know where that light's coming from. 
I don't either. It's bizarre. It's really weird. Um, and it's poorly, poorly done and poorly directed. And I feel bad, like, slamming the director because it's a first-time director given a really horrible script with a really impossible man no. and tons of green screen. No, but... I'm sorry. No. No. The mistakes that he's making in this, I could direct a better episode of Doctor Who than this. <laughs> with all of the, give me all the problems that he has to deal with, I can still make something better than this because... Like, he's just breaking direction rules. Yeah. Just breaking them. Yeah. Why? Because he probably didn't know them to begin with. That's unfortunate. Oh, God, it's so awful. Yep. Ugh. Yep. I can't. I just I just can't. I can't. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. We haven't even talked about the stupid shield guns, which are stupid. They are stupid. Yeah, I don't mind the arm guns, though. No, no, those are cool. Like, and I understand, like, why they thought they were good. But the thing about laser blasts, and we should have really learned this lesson from Vengeance on Veros, even though Vengeance on Veros came later. So I guess Veros should have learned about this. You know what makes laser fights really cool? When the lasers are fast, you know. When the lasers are fast, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're supposed to be light. The lasers in this are really slow. Like <laughs> so it, slow. it looks like bullet time is what it looks like. Uh, <laughs> it feels like you could just walk out of the way of them. Yeah. That's not really what you want. Somehow they manage to take out tons of people too. Like these lasers take out tons of people. And it's like, dude, just dodge it. What's wrong? Like what's going on? Where's your adrenaline guys? So it's it's a total oh and I forgot about the part where the doctor and Leela and that one dude go down the magic elevator shaft and there's the worst music ever playing. It's literally like elevator music. And I'm like <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, where the doctor is like raise your hands. Ooh. <laughs> and then suddenly they're in the the bubble tunnel from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Complete with elevator music. I don't know what's going on in this story. No, I it's, could not comprehend it. It's a tremendous mess. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you need more than plot. You need more than machinations. You need, like, stories and characters who are interesting. None of the characters are interesting. None of the characters are well-written. There's a lot of ideas, but there's no exploration of them. And it's just throwing sh- It's It's like the biggest runaround I've ever seen in Doctor Who. And that's saying something. Like... I think it's the biggest runaround in all of Doctor Who because there's just so, there's so much running and I don't know why. And the worst part about the running is it's all in the caves at, mm-hmm. using the same five angles <laughs> over and, this... and over and over again because they did all of the cave stuff. They built them in miniatures and only shot five shots and the director was like, yeah, that's enough. We'll just work within those. Nobody will notice. Yep. Yep. And guess what, buddy? I noticed. I, everyone noticed. Like, everyone notices the caves and how bad it looks and the poor direction and running and action. Like, even this story pretends to be an action, and it's, like, the worst action, like, I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Like, it's it's got the worst effects, the worst sets, the worst budget of anything. Of anything. 
and nothing compares. I mean, Invasion of Time looks more expensive. And Invasion of Time is like literally the the wall to the doctor's room in the cage in in the Invasion of Time is clearly made of plastic. Like they're not even trying to make it not look like plastic. They cannot afford to make it look like anything but plastic. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just it's just it's just bad. And again, this came out 10 days after Star Wars came out. Like just the worst possible timing of anything. Anything. Uh... Can you imagine going to Star Wars, seeing it like once a day for ten days, and then tuning in for Doctor Who and getting this? Like, ah. Uh... <laughs> so it hasn't aged well. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't good to begin with. Oh my god. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Tom Baker's not great. I'll, I'll, I'll even throw, I'll throw a bone and say that I think Louise Jameson is my favorite part of this because she's really good and never given enough, like, credit for playing Leela. But Leela is great in this. Like, especially by comparison, but, like, she's just great in this. She's a delight to watch. She's terribly funny and has some really great, like, moments. <laughs> I just, I, I don't remember them, but I remember really enjoying Leela. <laughs> Yeah, she's not, she's, she's not, she's one of those actors who can make the most out of a terrible script. Yes. Tom Baker is one of those people, but he doesn't care enough to do it. Not here anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Underworld. That's Ugh, Underworld. And you is. never have to watch it again. Never. <laughs> You've already done it for your blog, right? Oh, God, yeah. So you're yeah. done forever, too. I'm done with all Baker Martin on my blog. Like, I'm... That's I'm, awesome. So the last yeah. time you'll watch any of them is with us. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty great. Much. That is I don't great. Know. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I want at some point to do a whole Doctor Who watch through. Like, when they have a hiatus here or something, to just watch everything from beginning to end. Um in order, so I'll probably end up watching it for that. But by that point, I'll be running through Doctor Who so fast, I won't care. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's true. But, but like, having to... If, like, for me, I get, like, two Doctor Who stories a week. So if if we have a lemon on this show and a turkey on the blog, then I'm not a happy camper. This this week, I actually have to watch, like, Enemy of the World, so I'm, I'm okay. But, like, if you have to just watch one Doctor Who story and it's this Doctor Who story, it's like, oh, God. Like, oh, God. Mm. <sighs> Underworld. Really just the lower depths. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, because you came in, like, you, <laughs> I mean, last night you were like, when do you want to record this? And we're like, we'll do it tomorrow. You said, we better just rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, worse than anything you could have imagined. Right? Oh like, my god. <laughs> I can't. Wow. I would rather watch Ve- Vengeance on Varos like three times. Jeez. Than ever watch this again. You know how much I hate that garbage. Oh, just wait. Because I actually. Well, here's, here's the thing that I did. I actually realized that I didn't want to do Twin Dilemma for a while. So I actually did a switcheroo on the order and bumped around a couple of six doctor stories so instead of doing twin dilemma we're gonna do time lash and we're gonna have to see in a couple weeks 
Um, or in a couple months, I guess, because Time Lash is about eleven away from now. It's about ten weeks away. Uh, which you like more? Which you like more? Because Time Lash is the underworld for the top, for the Colin Baker era. Like it's it's pretty unwatchable. <laughs> time Time Lash is the underworld of the Colin Baker era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So you mean the whole Colin Baker era isn't the underworld of the Colin Baker era? No. 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 Time Lash is the un- is the um. Time is Lash. The- ti- you're saying Time Lash is worse than the Twin Dilemma. We're gonna have to watch it again. Twin Dilemma made me angry. Time Lash made me want to kill things. Okay. <laughs> like Twin. The thing about the Twin Dilemma is like, you can you can almost look at the Twin Dilemma and say. Okay, the twi- for the Twin Dilemma, they basically made every wrong decision they possibly could make. And it's almost like they're trying to make bad Doctor Who. Time Lash is, like, so bad. Like, it's the worst acting in Doctor Who, I think. I think it's the worst acting. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like it wishes it was a B-movie. Like, that's how bad it is. <laughs> it's... It's just, oh it's my just, it's just bad. And like, I don't know, man, you're, you wanted to kill yourself during this time lash is like one of those things where it's like, just end it. Like, just end it. And what? And everything. It's, it's not good. Cassandra, I don't think, I still don't think Cassandra has forgiven me for making her blog time lash. Oh my I was, God. <laughs> well, it was time lash or she didn't get to do another Tom Baker or Colin Baker story. And then she probably now I guess she would probably say, uh, "I'd rather watch time. I'd rather not block another Colin Baker story." But I gave her a bunch of other stuff to make up for it. But like the thing is, like Time Lash, I haven't seen it since I first watched it, and it made me angry. And the thing about Doctor Who stories is like, it's bad the first time; it's worse the second time. You know, like if you if you hate a story the first time. The second time is going to be an ex- like an exaggerated version of that, I find. Um, so if you dislike a story the first time, you're going to way dislike it the second time. If you like it the first time, when you come back to it, you're going to love it even more. So um, I'm not looking forward to Time Lash. I'm really not. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But we have we have a, we have a while before then. We have a whole bunch of good stuff. We have another Peter Davison before then. We have Planet of the Pyramids of Mars. So we're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is a site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, T-shirts, posters, anything you can get from a local comic book shop out of the Diamond catalog. Uh, you can get from DCBService.com. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off. Uh, most regular discounts are 40% off. Ship as often as you like with the orders as large or small as you like. And uh, you only pay a flat rate shipping of six ninety five. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, much, much better. <laughs> David Tennant and the Doctor's Daughter. Yes. Uh, which is a an episode the classic Who purists despise with a fiery passion. And I really love so there's that. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I'm, we'll talk about it more next week, but it's about as classic Who as you can possibly get in the new series. Like, I think it's the one that gets it most. So, 
we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, also on deck, after the Doctor's Daughter, we're doing Planet of the Spiders, which should be fun. Uh, and then uh, Ninth Doctor, Aliens in London, World War Three. So things to look forward to. Got to wash it out. Got to wash it out before we dive back into some more dregs. I got to go buy Planet of the Spiders. Yeah, man. I need to go yeah, do man. that. God, I love yeah. Planet of the Spiders. Oh, man. I'm I so cannot sick. wait for that chase sequence. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait for that chase sequence. You liked it the first time. You're going to love it this time. You're oh going to just God. bathe. Yeah, because the last time I watched it, uh, I really wasn't. I really wasn't uh, watching that much Classic Who at that point. Yeah. Oh, you're going to lose your mind for it now. Oh, my God. I can't wait. It's one of the good ones. Cannot wait. Ones. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next time with the Doctor's Daughter. But until then, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Scott Corelli, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I live tweet things occasionally. Matt does it more than I do. Uh, you can also find us on the mind robbers because that's our other show. And if you're listening to this, why aren't you listening to us talk about all of the other things you like other things more than Dr. Who, if you really don't, that's fine. I guess a little weird, but, uh, we talk about other things on the other show and you should, you should listen. The mind robbers go find yeah. it on iTunes. Listen, love it. Leave an awesome iTunes review. Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Guggedin. You can also find me at my live tweet Twitter account, which is at GD Commentary. That's the Gungadin Commentary. You can also find me at my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I review stories. Uh, this week, I should have done uh, Enemy of the World, which is a Patrick Troughton story where Patrick Troughton fights Patrick Troughton. Does it sound weird? Yeah. Is it weird? Yeah, but it's great. It's wonderful. Um, you should all go read that. It's a lot of, a lot of fun over there at that blog. I did, a, I did a great review of Revenge of the Cybermen, which is basically the underworld of the Hinchcliffe Holmes era. Like, it's just unfathomably bad. Unfathomably. So if you want to, like, if you want to see me shred some Doctor Who, go read that. Go read that. Good times. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week with uh, the Doctor Daughter. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye.